Hey, this is Steve Hahn with Seventh Calling, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Turn it up. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 299 of Focus on Metal. That's right, one episode away from the big three double zero. Richie has been working like crazy behind the scenes trying to pull that one together, and it is going to be a close finish on that puppy. But if all goes well, by the time you're listening to this one, I will be deep into editing number 300. So before we get into this week's show proper, just want to throw out another shout out about Inside Metal. Yes, the L.A. Metal Scene Explodes Part 2 and DVD number 2 of Part 2 has been released now. So you can go and uh, check that one out. And as uh, Joel MacGyver says, unmissable for anyone interested in this chaotic and influential era in American music. So there you go. From none other than the one and only Joel MacGyver. He's telling you, go out and buy this thing. Definitely another great segment in Bob Nalbandian's trilogy. And lining up right now is trying to get uh, his co-director, producer guy, Carl, to come on the show. We've had Bob on so many times. Bob said, hey, what about if uh, you guys have Carl come on instead? And I'm like, hey, why not? You know, Carl knows just as much stuff. He's in as deep into this whole thing as Bob is. So uh, trying to line that up that uh, in the early 300s episodes there, We'll have Carl come on and talk about Inside LA Metal. But in the meantime, if you want to know what he's talking about, and I'm sure we're going to hit up on some great stuff that's been in the last two chapters of this thing, then definitely go out and get yourself a copy of Inside Metal, the LA Metal Scene Explodes, Parts 1 and 2. And if you haven't already done so, I would also recommend you go and you get the first part of the trilogy of Inside LA Metal, the early years, Part 1 and 2 as well. And I also believe that the uh, this current uh, release is also available for streaming on Amazon and a couple of other places as well. So uh, definitely check it out. Get your metal fix with Inside LA Metal. So let's get into this week's show proper. Why don't we? So this week we have our guest, Steve Hondel. He is the, uh, the whole creative force behind the band Seventh Calling. And in keeping with our full disclosure here on Focus on Metal, about a week and a half ago, I had no idea these guys even existed, but now I do, and I know that there's some killer metal that is being uh, created out in uh, the woods and fields and whatever the hell else is out there in South Dakota. So I had a great talk with Steve, and it uh, ends up that we know a lot of the same people, which is kind of freaky. So we're going to talk all about metal. We're going to talk about Seventh Call. I'm going to find out about everything going on in Steve's brain, what goes on in South Dakota, all that good stuff this week on Focus on Metal. But first, I know, I hear you out there. You're going, but Scott, how do we know we want to listen to this whole episode about a band we've never heard? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to play you a track off of their second release called Battle Call. came out back in June. So I'm going to play a bit of that, and we're going to roll right into the interview with Steve. And I assure you, when you hear this stuff, you're going to want to go, yep, I want to hear more about this band. So more samples from Battle Call to come as well this week. So hope you guys enjoy 7th Calling as much as I do. And if you do, during the interview, Steve throws out all the websites and everything to go and get yourself your own copies of either Battle Call or their first one, Monuments. So I'm going to roll you the track Deliverance. And from there, we're going to go right into my chat with Steve Hondel of 7th Calling. (laughs) 
Heads, as you guys know, always like to bring out new bands for your listening pleasure. And another one fell into my lap this weekend. Super happy to actually have these guys on, like, almost as soon as I discovered them. And uh, so I have on the line with me tonight Steve Handel from the massively awesome band Seventh Calling. How are we doing tonight, man? Uh, very good, very good. Uh, thank you much. Happy to be here. Happy yeah, to be uh, here. I tell you, you know, obviously a PR guy had, you know, hit me up to you guys, and I, I put, listened to a couple tracks, and I was like, oh, crap, like, Ben, I've got to get these guys on. Perfect fit for Focus on Metal. I think that everybody listening to the show was really going to dig you guys. And, and I was reading some of the reviews that came up on Reverb Nation, and I thought one of them really put it like exactly what I was thinking, which was like if you took a band and from the 80s and time machined them, to now with all the kind of technology and sounds and all that it, it's you guys and i think that hit it perfectly wow very cool that's a that's a pretty cool compliment i like that <laughs> very good yeah so it's definitely it just has you know it, it's got all those great elements but but it isn't it isn't like you're so retro that uh that you think you've been left behind and uh and it's it's pretty cool and obviously you guys just released your second full length right battle call um what uh, just a yeah. little while ago Yep, just back in June to come out. And uh, definitely and, uh, killer stuff. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yep, back in June, and it's been doing okay so far, so we're pretty happy with it, like the music. Yeah, So, and the one before that was called Monuments, right? You are correct, yes. There's one in the middle of the mix yet that uh, was a little different. That was also called Epidemic. Hmm. Okay. That's a little different than what I had uh, before, and there's a reason for that if we get to that. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. We're going to get to everything. Uh, you, <laughs> cool. know, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm starting like pretty much just a little bit ahead of everybody else listening of having not really heard of you guys and just being like, holy crap. So, you know, like them, I want to find out all about Seventh Calling. But so obviously on Reverb, you got a couple of tracks off there, and the first two up there are, are both off of Battle Call, correct? Yes, that is correct. And then the other one is what? Uh, is it Merciless is the third one? Or is it yes, Merciful? and that's off Merciless. Okay. Yes. And, and that one's off of Monuments, right? Correct. All right. And and uh, it seemed like you, a little bit of a change overall in guitar sound between the two that 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 uh the the first one's kind of got it's it's got that same nice 80s crunch to it, but it seems like you have mm -hmm. a little bit of fuzz just to push the the, the kind of the crunch over the edge on that. And the uh, the other two off a of battle call are more that really nice kind of JCM 800 kind of sound. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the monuments we used, uh, actually, we used a collection of uh, preamp modules, if you will, like Randall-type preamp modules, George Lynch module. Oh, yeah, very familiar with those. Yeah, and then we used a couple other ones, and I think there was even a Kirk Hammett one that we had at one point. I can't. Uh, the studio that we were at, the guy was all about toys. Hey, mm -hmm. try this amp, try that amp. So we had everything from crankheads to triple lead the Marshall triple leads to uh the uh whatever Joe Satriani JSX head or whatever that yeah, was from yeah. TV he had one of those so quite a collection of stuff that uh the triple four studios had that we did that record at yeah that was a good time nice <laughs> yeah and and I always looked at those those Randall ones with the modules and been like oh man I really want to get one of those and it just seemed like such a cool concept to be able to swap some in you know get three channels yeah. kind of put in there what you want and uh yeah it does definitely was a really cool concept totally cool yeah we enjoyed it a lot using it yeah i'm i'm obviously a toys guy anything like that i totally get into and uh 
I'm like surrounded by all kinds of crap right now. So uh, uh, definitely <laughs> love toys between the guitars and recording stuff and all that. But, uh, but you know, really love the sound of the album. You know, it sounds like something that would have been done in some, you know, major studio out in L.A. as well. Just a really, really tight sound. So the place where you guys went, uh, the guy does a top-notch job, that's for sure. Yeah, did very well. That, that On that record, that was uh, Jamie Strobach was the engineer on that one. Really knows really knew what he was doing on that one for sure we had a good time yeah so you guys have been rolling since what 2007 yeah that was when the debut album come out and uh a lot of lineup changes over the year well not really a lot but a few lineup changes i'm the trademark owner so i'm the original originator whatever you want to call of set calling and uh the albums that i've got so far have a little bit of a different lineup over the years that we've toured with and whatnot but i've always been the lead vocalist and mm-hmm. Always done the lead guitar duties for the most part, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, this I think probably a lot of bands, you know, in your situation too, that do end up going through a lot of different lineup changes. And and uh, I mean, because I mean, it's also tough, right? I mean, you don't have you know huge touring revenues and all that, and people got crap to do, and people you know drop out and, and all that. So yeah, I know where you are. Yeah, it does. It consumes a lot of time sometimes when you really get into it, and you really have to be have to be dedicated to the idea of it, so to speak, to really, you know, get your hands dirty and get into it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, A lot of time. As far as the material, are you also primarily kind of the main songwriter as well? Yes, that is correct. All right. So far, anyway. We'll see how things go now with the new lineup. I'm really happy with what we've got going on with the battle call. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I listen to the tracks, and I really feel I can hear just a very kind of familiar voice and, and... and stuff. So it just it sounded like it was uh, you know, more or less more like one guy writing, but but you're right. It's it is tough, you know, being in bands and you, sometimes you get like I've had bands where you get great chemistry and you write like crazy and you think it's the greatest thing ever, then you go to another band and you just find out you can't write for crap. So, um, yeah, chemistry is right. everything. It is. It really is. Um, it's tough. Uh, you got to get even if you write your own songs, you know, and even if you can play everything, you can record, but you still miss them the other people's I don't know, feeling or the groove that they portray, yeah. uh, you know, instead of just doing it like all on your own, yep. uh, so to speak, you, you can tell, you know, so yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I like about the con- congruity or whatever the word would be, the togetherness of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, at this point, yes. Yeah, that's probably the mo- one thing I miss the most with, with writing with, with people right now is that I really haven't played with a drummer for a, for. A- freaking years but it, I, like i had one particular dude that i would play with i played with him since high school and as soon as we'd get together like songs they would just almost write themselves we just had this really cool bond and and uh, we were always being able to write songs and then uh, never really been able to write with anybody else to that level you know ever since so yeah i mean chemistry is just so key and working with other people and being able to kind of it's different than you know me sitting here and, and just like working in my studio and coming up with my own stuff. You just, you, you get different things with other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So obviously, you know, you put out the first one. Now, did you, have you done any, any, um, touring like outside of your region at all? Or are you guys pretty much still just around there? No, actually we've gone on uh, the first record come out in, uh, we were located, the nucleus of the group is located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, upper Midwest for the scene. And then uh, after Monuments come out, I shortly relocated the group out to Las Vegas, Nevada mm. after that. And we were out there until about 2012. 
And uh, through that whole time, we did several tours. We did three legs of touring across the United States for the next record, which would have been uh, the Monuments and then ultimately the Epidemic record uh, that we had done, too, with a lineup that was in Las Vegas. And we played quite a bit on that. We did. Uh, we went out with bands like Widow and Van Laid and such on mm. one of the legs. And that was about three weeks' worth of time that we were out with those guys across the States. Ended that one in Myrtle Beach. That was fun. <laughs> that was a good time touring with those guys. And then uh, we did some other stuff. We did some random shows like with Metal Church, and we've done some Leather Wolf dates and uh, stuff like that over the course of time. Uh, Doral Pesh, we've been lucky enough to play a couple dates with her. Mm. Uh, Blind Guardian, Symphony X. We've played with a few of these bands now, but uh, as far as actual live dates, we went out with uh, the last time that we went out, other than in our region, that we got around everywhere through all the way out to the coast in New York area and all the way back this way and out to Las Vegas and San Diego and whatnot was uh, Seventh Calling. We got to open for uh, Rhino, the drummer that was on uh, Triumph and Agony or whatever Man Award album. Mm-hmm. He was a drummer on one of the albums. He had a band called Angels of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that featured Ethan Rosh on guitar and then uh, David Ellison from Megadeth was actually the bass player for that yeah. record yeah. anyway. And uh, I ended up getting hired to do the bass guitar for David Ellison when he went back to Megadeth. So we did a, I did a double take and I did guitar and lead vocals for seventh calling opening. And then I played bass guitar and background vocals for angels of Babylon. For oh, the tour. That's great. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the people you toured with, like I'm actually pretty good, good decent friends with Ethan. So we constantly cool. run into shows like all the time. I'll like my co-host will be like, Hey, is that Ethan over there again? I'd be like, oh, yeah. I mean, or sometimes even backstage, we'll like go backstage somewhere. And he turns around and he's like, right. holy shit, you're here too? And uh, or yep. sometimes we get, yep. we get comp like tickets like right next to each other for shows too. So like, I'm, like, huh. I'm running into Ethan like all the time. And uh, then Chris That's Bennett too. Awesome. I mean, that must have been great to tour with Chris because he's definitely a good shit. Oh, we had a lot of fun. And it's been a while, a few years since we did that shoot. I think we were back in 2011 almost at that point on that tour. And then we did uh, some more dates through Las Vegas where we did some Michael Schenker dates and a few other things out at that ramp out in Vegas. Hmm. Uh, random dates with the original Malice band that we did before uh, Jay Reynolds' Mick when the other guitar player Mick ended hmm. up getting sick now. So he's got, uh, I think, cancer, if I remember right, something like that that he's battling. And that was the last record that James Rivera had sang with those guys. Mm. And that was uh, pretty cool stuff. And that was out through San Diego. And then we toured with like them and Bitch, <laughs> the classic band Bitch. That's oh, Eli's yeah. from the 80s and such. And it was a lot of fun. But yeah. yeah, now we're pretty much, it's been a little bit now. We've been in the regional area where we're at in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area by the Badlands yeah. pawn shop and all that stuff. Now we got here. So, nice. yeah. Nice, but it sounds like you've been on some great bills because, I mean, great people. The guys from Van Laid, they're also pretty damn awesome. I've had them on the show as well. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of the people that, that you have been out with, I, I either I either know and hanging out with or I've had them on the show. So, yeah, you've been on some great bills, and, and I think you fit well, too, that, that uh, you know, the way that your music sounds and stuff kind of positions you to go really well with whether it be a power metal or classic metal or, or even with Chris's stuff, which can be kind of a little bit more of uh, uh, a little, little thrashier and stuff. So, yeah, you yeah. kind of seem to, to be able to fit in everywhere. But uh, it's, good, it's good you guys are going out there and, uh, and you know, letting people see it because I think definitely a band to be heard all, everywhere. Yeah, we're having a good time with it. And we got band laid. As a matter of fact, we're going to be doubling up and doing a show with here coming up in October. Hmm. They're coming up to the Sioux Falls way. That's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. 
them and a couple other bands, same style, and then possible my buddy Sean Peck from KH, he might they might be coming up through the Midwest too here in the cool. near future, and we're going to hook up and do some dates with those guys if that's the case. And yeah, and uh, good old Ben, he's he's the man to talk to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had yeah because we've had uh, we've had Sean on a couple times as well, and uh, and actually, um, yeah, I think on a couple nights from now, I'll end up talking to. Uh, Another one of uh, Sean's bandmates, uh, Stu the Hammer Marshall. So, uh, yeah. ah, yeah, <laughs> the old Stu Death Dealer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, interesting great when too. you're like, how are we going to work out the whole like uh, Boston to Australia deal? But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> truth. Didn't that the truth? <laughs> I remember uh, when I first met Stu. Uh, Sean had come and we were doing a pay per view event in Las Vegas. And uh, Seventh Calling, we actually had Rhino guesting with Seventh Calling. He was coming out to do a few songs with us and whatnot, a couple dates. And uh, that was the first time I ever met Stu as they brought him from San Diego and he had come over to visit those guys. And Sean told me where he was from and I go, dude, why? <laughs> what are you doing here? That's awesome, you know. Really nice guy, Stu is, definitely. Yeah. Fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like Sean, he's like in a billion different projects too. So it's it's. Uh, I know, I know it. I didn't even know Empire's Eden had three discs out, and all of a sudden Sean takes a picture the other day, and I sit here with my one, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you guys got there's two more, Stu. You're too busy. You got too much going. You got too much going on. But that's awesome. You got to stay busy, and, and you know that's really the way it is anymore nowadays. If you really want to get into it, yeah, got to be busy. Yeah, that's the thing that you know so, that people that like are outside of the industry and they. They talk to me about, well, you know, why is this guy in, in like four different bands and everything? And, and it's like, well, mm -hmm. dude, this it's like you can't be in a single band and make money unless you're like Axl Rose, you know, or even Axl's doing two bands right now. But, you know, it's yeah, like, right. you know, there's just there's no money in that in in the business doing that anymore. And uh, no, it's tough. I mean, if you're not really if you're not able to just play continuously and dedicate yourself to it and have new merchandise, new things, new tricks continuously every other week almost to get people to keep buying your stuff. Eventually, you know, yeah. you're going to have to find something to do for a little bit when there's downtime, when you're writing or whatever you got going on. You know, there's not always a show happening. So, and, you know, let's be real, you know, record sales, you don't really get that unless you get lucky and own everything and you're selling stuff and you're making it merchandise or however you might get distributed. Yeah. It's a, it's a tight deal, you know, nowadays. Really oh yeah, is. Absolutely. You know, and then people talk about, you know, like some bands that do like all, you know, Kickstarter and, and all that. But it's like, you know, mm -hmm. like like my buddies in A Sound of Thunder. I mean, I, I love the fact that they do that because it keeps all the power to what the hell they want to do. And yeah. you know, they spend the money the way they want and they're not worrying about having to do recoup or anything like that. And and you get so much stuff out of them. And, uh, and it's like it seems to be like that's the way to do it because labels don't do like squat for you anymore. No, not so much. They want to get it distributed and see what happens, and then a lot of the cost will end on your shoulders on what you're going to do, which a lot of it probably is in the first place, but merchandising and stuff that kind of helps, but then you don't get your merchandise money yeah. for your band when you're on the tour, then you're given a lot of that percentage up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. So when you kind of tend, it's, you know, it's kind of good, it's kind of not. Sometimes people would rather have that, you know, they think that record label stamp on your disc is more like a guarantee <laughs> that you're like a good band or something than, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of just checking it out, you know, on your own and making your own mind on it and crops. 
that's what I'm glad a lot of our fans have done and stuff that we've done with this record is they take, they make up their mind on it and they buy it, they buy it. <laughs> I like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely nowadays, if you think like the deal is what's going to make or break you, it's like, no, it's not. And beware the 360 deal. It's like the kiss of death for any kind of revenue stream at all. So, Oh, for sure. And then you're just endlessly paying, endlessly paying, for, you know what I mean? Paying yeah. for something, paying to get around, paying to get out, promotion, all this stuff. You know, it all matters. Yeah, absolutely. And it adds up. So and course, it adds up quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And, you know, so, you know, you talk about, you know, people wanting to buy your albums. Let's get this out of the way early because you definitely, you've got a, you've got a great site to go to where you can uh, buy Seventh Calling stuff. So uh, why don't you give out the URL for that? Okay. What we've got is you go look for Seventh Calling Official, and that's all spelled out, SeventhCallingOfficial.BigCartel.com. And you'll be able to go there and you'll find all the releases that we have and, you know, other merchandise, T-shirts, patches, you know, whatever else that we have that we got current. We're going to be still adding more stuff to it. Pretty soon you'll get your seventh calling beer koozies and all this other stuff, too, that we're going to have. And who knows, lighters and who knows what else we have. But that's where to go is the www.seventhcallingofficial.bigcartel.com. Awesome. Yeah. Just want to make sure we get that out. So people know for sure. And obviously you have it linked on your, uh, on your Facebook page as well. So, so that's good because Facebook is kind of ubiquitous nowadays, but, uh, yeah, I just want to make sure people know, especially, you know, play a little sample of stuff off a of battle call. And, and I'm sure everyone's going to be going, God damn, I need to have that album. So I want to be able to know fast track them right to you guys so we can bring the music to the people. Yes, very much. Yes. You know, release the album in June and, um, Obviously, you haven't probably done much touring cycle on that at all, but uh, are you, like, getting ready to write a follow-up to that, or you want to see how this one lands with the new lineup, or so kind of where are you guys standing right now? Okay, well, we do have a few battle call dates that we're lining up right now that we have uh, congruent. I think we're busy about a month and a half right now, and pretty much sticking around the areas on regional weekend dates. 
that we've got. Like we've got a, a two nights coming up this Friday, Saturday, and then a weekend off, and then we're busy on in, in Sioux Falls here at a place called the Thursday Duck. We're playing for two nights, and then we come back to Sioux Falls two weeks from then, and we play at a club called the American Legion for two nights, Friday, Saturday as well. And then we travel to Watertown, South Dakota, and we play at a club called Docks there, and that's uh, the, just a Friday night only appearance is what that one will be. And then the next weekend we're back here in Sioux Falls again on the fifteenth of October with Van Lead. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of sporadic dates, nothing really like through the week yeah. at this point. Pretty much keeping it on like kind of the money dates, so to speak, on the weekends, uh, where we know that we'll get the biggest draw on a lot of these shows because a lot of the workforce out here there. They work all day long and stuff, and pretty much Friday, Saturdays is their their night to go out and howl, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I must imagine that you that South Dakota, you probably have a once you start getting into like December, January, that I'm sure that like getting to and from gigs starts to get to be rather shitty as well with with weather and crap. It does when you can't really gauge for sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, usually we get a couple hours south of us on the interstate, then that's pretty clear because then you get into the middle of the states and that's always a few degrees warmer. The roads are a little better usually once you get there, but it's just to get there. Uh, so usually in the wintertime, we stick around close to the area, um, unless the roads are good. But like you say, it's tough to determined when it's going to blizzard when it's not and sometimes you just don't want to get caught out there yeah. it does you stay kind of in the town local area a lot more than you would otherwise <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that used to be like a thing with uh when my bands would be out and stuff if we ever get offered like a winter date to be like montreal or something it'd be like no we're not like we're not driving up to montreal to do a weekend date <laughs> it's not happening Right, yeah. now, let alone the traffic being slower or bad weather or anything. Oh, yeah. But yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and always like the the like the drive from like here to Montreal is like as soon as you get up into Vermont, then you kind of have nothing. When you cross over the Canadian border, it's just like field silo, field silo. When you're just like hours of oh. like, praying for that bridge that goes over the river to be like, all right, now we're back to civilization again. So it was just too long <laughs> ass to do in the winter. Just brutal. <laughs> Oh, yes. That's the way it is here, too. You get out of town. Same way it was in Vegas. You got to go five hours anyway to get to anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. but there's no snow out there, of course. But no, just out there when the it heat. sprinkles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about it. So, obviously, you've got some pretty tight classical influences in here. I, you know, I can hear I can hear some Maiden happening in there. Definitely some some really classic priest and stuff. So, um, you know, kind of you know, where did you come in on the on the metal spectrum? Um, well, I guess when I'm looking at it this way, if I remember back, the, uh, first album that I got, and I'll call it an album because it was actually vinyl, hmm. it would be, uh, Metal Church's Metal Church. Oh, nice one to start The debut, yeah, because I, you know, of course, listen to rock and all this stuff and get into some of these bands, but I would say that record first was the one because I had been listening to everyone from ZZ Top, Def Leppard, Sticks, you know, all the mm -hmm. classic rock and that type of that time. And right around that time, you know, you have that first Metal Church album, and right there, Metallica's freaking uh, Master of Puppets comes out around that time. And then uh, a couple other bands like Lizzie Borden, Slayer, you know, a couple of them bands, I really grabbed my attention. But Metal Church really did because of David Wayne mm -hmm. and the oh, yeah. riffs that uh, Kurt Vanderhoof and Craig Wells were pulling off. I mean, it was blowing my mind. Oh, you know, yeah. Kirk Herring, 
Kirk Arrington, one of the one of a kind drummer. I mean, oh, that guy's he, awesome. he's 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 absolutely absolutely amazing. Yeah, and oh. and uh, you know we talked to Craig Wells probably I think like last year maybe, and he still uh-huh. was just glowing about the the drum stuff that that guy would do. Oh yeah, it's just incredible that he'd pull off, and you listen to these beats, and you're like, wow, that's just got such a groove, and you know. I've seen the lineup of Metal Church quite a lot over the years, many different lineups. And only one time that I saw with Kirk Arrington was a Blessing in Disguise tour, uh, right when uh, Mike Howitt joined. And I'll tell you, <laughs> in comparison now from back then to now, they're kicking ass just as good. I mean, those guys are awesome now. Yeah, but uh, it's, but it's amazing, right? You get that first oh. album, and like you said, it's vinyl. And yeah, and how restrictive yep. vinyl was to actually be able to hear everything that the drums did. And and they right. still sounded so freaking awesome, just even on vinyl. Oh, very big. And you can always, the biggest thing you can always hear is the hi-hat work all the time because you always get that Christmas to a point coming through on the clean end. Yeah. And you always hear what he's doing in that uh, merciless onslaught. Mm-hmm. The instrumental on there, bang, you know, you hit that crash. Wow. Blew my mind. That changed me forever the day I bought that. I was blown away, you know, and, uh, Right then, I suppose that day that I listened to that record is probably when I decided that's the kind of music I wanted to write. Try to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. I think definitely, uh, definitely hitting it because yeah, that's something you can hear in there as well. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely one that's uh, that's just absolutely killer to, to start off on. So uh, and and that's still kind of in that that classic era as well. I'm kind of more of an older mm-hmm. funk, so I've kind of started even earlier than that, but. Uh, uh, sure. Definitely. That's you know throw throw one at a dartboard and and, uh, and I there's, I guess there's a lot of people too with either came in with that one or uh, or uh, or dark. I mean one of the two, but uh, definitely uh, and a real underrated band too. I think one of those. You know I I often think of um, I was thinking about this the other day actually too. Is I was thinking that if Metallica had decided to just hang it up after Master, you know if Cliff died and they just go we're done, that they'd almost right. be like. I think kind of relegated to to what happened to Metal Church was as well. It's just like this insanely great band, and uh, then just kind of got bowled over by other bands. And uh, I just feel like that's what would have happened with Metallica. Yeah, exactly, and it did at that point because so many bands come out and you know they they hit big, then they changed a little bit. You know, granted, all the stuff still rocks, but I would agree there's so much more that come out. And now nowadays, it's hard, you know, for a lot of these bands because there are so many back then we had a handful of bands to pick from or what we might have known or listened to back then it was kind of easier to pick to track who was out there who was doing what what was coming out now you got new releases almost every day it seems new bands you find out millions of them out there and it's hard to keep track oh yeah (laughs) it's 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 actually it's insane you know it's like i'll talk to somebody and they'll mention a band then i got to be thinking have I talked to them before? And it'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have. But I think, you know, also with the Internet, it, it lets, you know, some poor schmuck like me in Boston discover a band like Seventh Calling and, and be able to, you know, instantly get that album sent to me as well. And I think that that's, yeah. that, you know, for me, I wish that I had that when I was putting out CDs with my bands as well, because we had, I mean, very limited radio play here in the Boston area. And then we had a, like a recording gig in Germany, like they loved us in Germany for some reason, and New Orleans, and that was yeah. so. It was bizarre, but I wish now we would have had like the internet back then to be able to to do a lot of this kind of stuff that you guys are able to do to reach out. But I think 
I think it's a great time for for metal as well. That we've got bands like you guys that are really true to what you do, and you don't have you know labels trying to tell you what to do, or an A and R guy saying, "Well, I don't hear a hit or whatever." That that what I hear you guys do is exactly you know what Steve wanted to write that day, and and the band did it, and. Uh, I think that's that's that is just absolutely what you want to get from metal. bands you don't follow really an outline so to speak i mean there's kind of a general songwriting idea of you know chorus bridge verse whatever mm. but solo breaks but yeah i like the the uniqueness you know i can look at my music collection as i look now a lot of the bands are classic like that all of them sound different but yeah. they're still playing the same type of genre of music though yeah you know? yeah and, and that's one cool thing i like too that i i noticed right out of the gate with your tracks is you know, you don't do that standard kind of four-bar intro and right into the verse. That you've got those longer intros, and they, 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 you know, they kind of have different meters in there, and so you never get that predictable. Oh, I know where that's going. It's so uh, it kind of draws me into the song a bit more. Oh, cool. Yes. Just uh, that's the that's the producer part of me talking. So. But uh, <laughs> I just, I, I just, it's part of what I like about it. And, and uh, like I said, that's one of the first things I noticed about it with all of them was, wow, I just, I, I, I like how you change things up. And, and like you just said, it isn't all just, oh yeah, intro, verse, chorus. Oh, we better have a bridge in here and all that. And, and uh, I like it when right. people kind of screw with structure a bit. Yeah. Or do something abnormal where you're like, why'd they do that? Well, because we did it. Because <laughs> we wrote it that way, you know? <laughs> That kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's always good that way. So, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, amps you guys have been using in the studio and obviously some nice some nice classic stuff as well. Um, yeah. Sounds like like uh, definitely a lot of uh, humbucker-equipped guitars that, that you guys are primarily hitting. What are you, what are you usually using for guitar-wise these days? Well, right now I've got kind of a wide array of guitars, all flying Vs uh-huh. of whatever structure. It just happens to be my favorite style, but I'm using a, I've got Michael Schenker, Red and Black, uh-huh. uh, Dean, that I have, and I use that. I've got a LTD all white V that I have uh, with a, uh, it's all what Ignator pickups in it, mm-hmm. and those are those are really good pickups. The Dean has humbuckers in it, the chrome covered plated humbuckers in it, and then uh, other V that I'm using is actually a Lexi. I think it's a Lexi Leho type Washburn that he had done, like just. A, design for them at one point and they discontinued it like they discontinue everything after they make one series of it it's already we're done making that so i picked this red i don't know other how to call it the reverse stock shark fin thing Uh (laughs) that's about the best way i can describe it but and then i use that too and that i use that with the stock pickups and then so that's what I'm using there and really like the tone. Don't mess with it a lot. If I do customize anything, I'll usually use like EMGs if I do anything mm. on some guitars. But other than that, I don't really, don't really stray too much because I like the, the, the equipment as far as the guitar amp that I'm using and stuff. They really sound pretty good through. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you gotta so you gotta like V's. I've got a I've got a, a Gibson V that's Shanker black and white uh, that I threw yeah. in some like super hot Seymour um, Duncan's into it. I think I actually have to dial them back a little bit, but uh, it's one of those ones that it's actually I picked it up as a as a B stock, and you know I know probably from when you started playing to now that there's definitely a difference in the knowledge of people that work at guitar stores, especially yes. big box guitar stores. So I went in and I saw this thing hanging, and I was like, wow. I went over and I checked it out and it said B stock and I'm I'm looking all over and I'm like what the hell's wrong with this like there's not nothing wrong with it except that the uh the bridge hadn't been mounted right so it was actually sitting on top of the pick guard instead of through it so it kind of made a weird like kind of tinny sound so I brought it up the counter and the kid looked at the price and he's like whoa whoa did you switch the tags on this this seems like this is real I'm like it's a B stock and he's looking at me like What's a B stock? And I'm thinking, oh, like guitar God. shop employees have really gone downhill in like the last twenty years. And uh, oh yeah, I had to explain to him what a B stock was. And I'm like, yeah, see, it's stamped. The factory stamps the headstock behind it. That's what Gibson does. Oh, okay, but yeah, I, I brought it home. Basically, just fixed the pick guard, remounted the bridge the right way, put those Seymours in, and bam! I mean, just a yeah. great, great metal axe. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. I got the Epiphone Shanker. Hmm. So I've got the black and white one with the little arrow headstock on it yep. also. Yeah, what's good with that one is it has the little rubber strip on the bottom so you can play the damn thing sitting down. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the one I got. Two some EMGs in that one. Yeah, yeah. No, yep. That one's a yep. great value, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I love those things. Flying bees are awesome. Yeah, and, and you said <laughs> you are. actually you played with you you played on a bill with Shanker once, right? Yes, that is correct. Awesome. Yeah, and he's yep. he's such a super nice dude too. I've had him on the show like twice. I always love talking to him. Usually, it's like very early in the morning, but it's Shanker, so you yep. get up that early in the morning when you want to talk to Shanker. You have to to talk to Shanker. You're like, <laughs> it's Michael. Come on, we got to talk to him. Yeah, we did. Uh, we were lucky enough to play with him on the Temple of Rock. 
uh, tour dates when he had Macaulay back in the group for a few days mm-hmm. singing. And that concert that we played out in Vegas was just, it was ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah, just I'm very the guy's still so, such a great player. And uh, yeah, all the new stuff that he put out, just just killer stuff. And and now yeah. no, I talked to him too, and I and I was talking about the fact that you know he he talked with the first album he put out he talked about you know he had put a lot of the stuff in there and he's like but you know mm-hmm. when the next one we comes out and I'm, i've been writing more with wayne you're really gonna see like a change and stuff and the next time i talked to him a few months ago i'm like michael you lived up to it what you and wayne put yep. together for the second one everything you said you were going to do between the first one and the second one you hit you everything, everything you said you were going to do so i mean the guy really knows what he wants to do and how to get there yeah Exactly, and he's doing it right now and doing well. Yeah, I love that stuff. Always was a fan back in the day too, all the way through mm. every era. But this stuff was really cool. It was nice to talk with him now because I know there was a lot of talk at one point. A few of the records and everybody was kind of disappointed he'd show up at the stage and not quite himself. Mm. But there was a couple of years that they would stay, and but yeah, he was incredible yeah nice guy yeah absolutely like cool and i know i was telling him too and you probably have the same thing where around here it was almost like a, an inside club there were people that knew who shanker was and then there yep. were other people that were oblivious and that was like your core if you were a shanker guy you kind of had this core group of musicians they all knew shanker as well yes <laughs> that's the way it is here too the same way and everybody's like well isn't that a guy in the scorpions well <laughs> Kind of, if you look at it, songwriting and years ago, know the history. That's right. Got to, got to be, got to be a fan. Got to yeah. be a fan. Yeah, and that was, and that was, you got a big kick out of that. But I'm like, yeah, you don't realize it though. But you, you talk to, you start jamming with someone, and and you just have a different thing when you're like Shanker, and they're all like, oh yeah, yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah, and they start, you know, rolling off songs, and it's like, all right, yeah, good, we can jam. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so it's, exactly, it's cool that even for you, you have the same thing. That's. uh that's, so that's that's nice. It's kind of a universal theme that uh, this kind of yes. like club of Shanker. Yeah, cool stuff. like you know shanker and stuff like that do you have any other like big kind of guitar influence guys that that really kind of made you want to play certain ways or influenced you 
Oh, yeah. By, uh, from back, well, I guess from the beginning, like, big dual guitar type people that I was always a fan, of course, Dave and Adrian from Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. You know, Glenn and KK Priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Denner and Hank Sherman from Merciful Fate. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, completely. And along them lines, you know, in Testament, those guys, very, you know, it just goes on the way. And then, of course, the the most monstrous team back then that I would have considered that really grabbed everyone's attention in my area and all my friends and shit would have been Hanneman, you know, mm-hmm. and King yep. from Slayer, who dive bombs from hell and all this stuff. I mean, nobody ever heard nothing like that at that point. When those yeah. guys come around, it's like, wow. So, yeah, you know, really a lot of that. And then, of course, you get into your rock stuff. I was always a big fan of Dean Bay. Uh, you know, you go George Lynch and, of course, Randy Rhodes, you know, some of those guys. Tony Iommi, a big riff master, big mm-hmm. fan of him for that. And the oddball harmonies that he does when yeah. he, in the older Sabbath stuff, you know, you get to, like, National Acrobat and songs like that. Yeah. What is that weird harmony he's playing? Sounds like a sick cow, you know? <laughs> it was just awesome. But, yeah, those are the guys that really... There's so many of them, but those would probably be the ones that really stuck me the most, yeah. I guess. And, and what's interesting that, with a lot of those dual ones you talk about is that one of the other things those guys are always noted for is the fact that they're they're not like they're not cookie cutter alike. You know, the clan is very technical, and KK is really mm-hmm. more bluesy. You know, flea throwing and 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 kind of all those teams they have little they're separate niches to how they play, and it's pretty cool when you take those two disparate things and. And they can come together and be really cool, and then they split apart, and it just gets even better. And and uh, I think every single one of those teams has that kind of disparate approach to guitar playing. Oh yes, they do, and it's very it's awesome to hear it back when it's done right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think about it that way on the playback. Yeah, because opposed know, to sure. like you know people talk about like Thin Lizzy, where you know for a lot of the Thin Lizzy lineups, they kind of had similar playing styles, and so you kind of had this this kind of multiplying factor in, instead of this other kind of what I like to think of it as like the twin guitar attack instead, where they're kind of doing little different things, and you have you don't quite know where to turn next. So uh, yeah, good good team up yeah. there. Oh, yeah, definitely. As far as, like, Ingve now, I mean, you probably remember the mm-hmm. first time you heard Ingve. Was that like, like, holy crap, I'm done? Uh, no, not really. I was like, wow, that was awesome. My uh, first response wasn't even about uh, Ingve himself. It was more about Jeff Scott Soto. And, wow, that guy's an awesome singer. Holy cow. <laughs> it was kind of like that. And then I then you get to know, then that's how I got to know the Ingve Malmsteen band, of course, was the Riot Marching Out album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll see the light tonight and all this, you know, disciples of hell and, you know, on the run again. And, oh boy, awesome. Yeah. Just awesome. But then right away, a new singer on the next record on that, I was like, because eh. <laughs> I was really a big solo fan, you know, a lot. But it kind of grew on me, so I stuck with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really do enjoy listening to him. You know, I remember when he changed and went after all of a sudden Richie Blackmore and Jimi Hendrix just out of nowhere, not really out of nowhere to him, but to the masses that would listen to the records uh, shortly after he got out of the trilogy record and then come remakes with uh, Joe and Turner, such as, you know, Spanish Castle Magic and types, that type of stuff yeah. where he's really getting bluesy. Uh, really pretty cool, I think, uh, to listen to it. My favorite song today, uh, believe it or not, that Ingve's ever done. It's not one of his own, actually. It's one that he did with... Uh, you probably heard it before, but the version of Dream On that him and Ronnie James Dio did together. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. 
I love the way that Dio sings, and you know, of course, anyway, throws a whole lot in that song, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> It's funny on uh, uh, my buddy Bob Nelbandian. He put out. He's been putting out these inside LA metal documentaries. So you know, he, he just put out the the second half of his, of his trilogy, which is the kind of the key part uh-huh. of the '80s. The LA metal scene explodes. So on part two of it, they're actually talking to a lot of the guitar players that were in on that Stars thing, and that's what they all remember is yeah. is like kind of a all big gang, you know, gang thing. Everyone's getting along, and then it comes time to do Ingve solo, and everybody just like stops. And watches the guy, and just like, yeah, just amazing stuff. I'll bet, I'll bet. I mean, because you watch some of the guys, and they're all having fun and what, but you would bet because he was one of the ones that had so much noise about him back then, right, right away. You know, oh yeah. First with the Steeler record with Ron Keel in '83, and it's like, wow, you know, that was pretty good stuff. Still singing about girls though, you know, until he got to the <laughs> until he got to his solo stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, Rising Force and Marching Out, two of my favorite from him totally yeah and, and really too when you when you listen to what he did with Steeler, i mean it still really did not let you know what was going to happen when he like went off on his own i mean it was still like a huge step change so when you put that final down for like marching on it was like 
This is really the same guy from Steeler? Like, holy crap. Right, exactly. And then the band, too, the musicians are pretty good. Anders Johansson or whatever on the drums. Yeah. You know, big step, you know. Yeah. So that was a big deal. (laughs) Big deal to me back then. Big change. Yeah, and then also, I mean... You never really, that, that was like the first time you had a, like a keyboard player like Patrick, too, that was like right up there and like hitting him yes. for note. It wasn't like Scott Warren just kind of doing pads and some runs and things like that. It was, it was like, wow, this guy exactly. can play his ass off. Exactly. And then, and it was really cool that you got the tag team like that. And nobody, you're right, no one at that time had really ever done something like that solo and the solo scales and everything at once yeah. badass yeah you get i mean you really have you've had very few you know kind of hits on that you know dream theater does it a little bit um definitely yep. firewind does it a lot um but yes you know but you don't see a lot oh, of that gosh. so uh, that's kind of like a little game changer there with what those guys were doing oh it really is because like that's not like what they play that's not what i am you know yeah. what i mean it's right. like i played different than that and our style is a lot different than that, you know, but those guys are just a step above. (laughs) Two steps above, 10 steps above. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you always got to have something above you. So you like, you you, you have to be in awe of something at all times. So yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) Cause, cause if you find out you're in awe of nothing, then you probably haven't been, anyone hasn't let you know that you're a total asshole. That's kind of how I, how I kind of take it. So, Right, either that or you're not alive. That's it. That's <laughs> you it. Know what I mean? Definitely taking the dirt nap. But uh, that's right. Any so dirt nap. <laughs> I know you guys. <laughs> I know you guys. You know, didn't have done a lot of touring and stuff. And and any plans at all to come out on the East Coast? Oh yeah, we're uh, working through that. It takes a little bit of time putting stuff together mm-hmm. for us here and whatnot. And then we get all the guys and their time. But yeah, we definitely want to get back to some of the places that. Uh, We've been over there. The last time that I was in New York with this lineup would have been we were at the Bowery Electric in Manhattan. Hmm. It's the closest that we got. And that would have been 2010. It's been a while. I'd yeah. like to get over there actually to see Ethan again, too. Yeah. Chat with him and stuff and play around there. But, yeah, we definitely want to get over that way again. I know uh, Ben has been talking like getting over that way, like Chicago way and uh, start working that way through the Philadelphia way and a couple other places, potentially if we can get into it and see what we can pull. And I've got a few connections from the tours that we've done before. And I know some people out there that are promoters and whatnot. So hopefully we can pull something together and get us out there. That would be great again. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I'm sure if it's one of the, you know, a gig around here, you know, we'll, um, I'm sure I'll probably end up bumping into Ethan out there. It's just like I said, I, I trip over him all the time. It's like, hey, Ethan, what's up? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to come out there just to see him, one of his bands, whether it's his tribute, Jolie Band or the original mm-hmm. band or whatever. Last time me and him actually talked uh, with, or seen each other was out on the Ingvay tour, actually out in uh, California. We are at the Disney World or whatever out there, Disneyland, whatever the fuck you call it. And uh, they're playing at the House of Blues. Hmm out there it was pretty cool because jason becker was in attendance in the front row uh yep and uh ethan got to meet him and stuff that was a pretty big thing yeah Uh, really cool and they did really good when they were out there uh the tour itself the way the stage was set up was craziness uh nothing but like i don't know 500 marshall stacks and ingvi took the entire side of the stage and all of his band members had like about five square feet they were allowed to move in on the other side of the stage even the singer (laughs) 
and Ingve had the whole stage to himself. Yeah, that sounds like Ingve. <laughs> <laughs> but that was pretty cool. That was great show and a good time, and that was the last time I seen Ethan face to face actually and chatted with him. So yeah. you know, and when if you're a guitar player, like my, one of my favorite parts of watching an Ingve show is actually mm-hmm. watching Ingve's guitar tech. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we were, uh, I was out a few months ago, Primal Fear came out, and so we were just hanging out in the bar, and, and uh, so it was, you know, it was most of Primal Fear, and we had their tech out there, and that was the thing, is that is that uh, their tech was just, like, I mentioned something about Ingve's tech, like, a couple nights before, and then their tech just had nonstop stories about the guy, and, and just like, you just like yep. you just watch him, and it's like just like a little comedy act that goes on behind Ingve. <laughs> it's got to suck to be his tech yep. too. It just has to. I mean, that's that's like a thankless gig, right? Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. You have no idea what we do behind the scenes. The guy says, but uh, yeah, I got to catch cool that to to because uh, yeah, like Ethan, like I caught Ethan. Um, like one of the things I went down for his CD release party and. uh like mm-hmm. so, we had put together a, a quick band. So we had like one of his buddies from Italy. He had a dude that came up from down south, and he had a local drummer. I think they had like one day to rehearse. And okay. I mean, Ethan's stuff is not simple. And nope. you would have thought not these guys all. had played together for like fifteen years. It was like he got off, and I'm like, holy shit, Ethan! I can't believe everything you guys did was spot on. And uh, just, I mean, the guy's just an incredible, incredible player. Oh, very. He's way incredible. Yeah, way incredible. Yeah, absolutely. by far. Yeah, and he, and by he like any any you know if you see him out and stuff too. I mean, it's it's like the same Ethan that's on stage is the same Ethan that that you meet everywhere else too. He just like it's the same dude. It's so it's uh it's just he's he's cool. It's like he's kind of like baked into it, you know. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Very mellow. So Good performer. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, new one came out this year. You know. uh you think it's going to be another another year, eighteen months? When do you think we get some? Uh, I'm selfish. I need more seventh column music. So, <laughs> when do we think we're going to well, maybe see some more? Well, hopefully within the next year, because we do have uh, several riffs that we've actually been working. We've got uh, riff ideas completed for some songs, and uh, got some lyrics for a couple other ones with a couple scratch ideas for some drumming going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are in the creation process now. Um, I'm expecting we get a little bit of a time here it's always interesting when you have to throw together your songs for rehearsal and you have some dates and whatnot as mm-hmm. opposed to the whole band getting together so that kind of comes down to me and the guitar the guitarist yeah um like like shum as the other guitar player opposite me and then we sit down with the riffs and then uh give them to the guys with vocals if i have vocal ideas then they can kind of hear where the vocal lines would approximately be then they've been the bass and the drums can structure mm-hmm. on practice or whatever and then we get together and work on stuff like that so I'm hoping we'll have a few of them here in order by the end of Christmas here coming up. And I'm hoping within the next year, we'll have another record and all that stuff with the, you bet. So we're definitely moving forward with more stuff. It won't take too long. There'll be a new one on the shelf. All right. So, and, you know, absolutely, you know, when that's done and and you're ready to talk about it, then, uh, I, I a hundred percent want you to come back on, let people know right from the get go. So not like a couple months after the release, I, I want to be able to, as soon as you're done, I'm, I'm going to be your one-stop promotion shop and get the word out. So uh, definitely you've got a, a voice here at Focus on Metal and uh, have you back on and we can blast the word out. And, and uh said, so hopefully I get everybody psyched up with this one about 7th Colin and uh, we just kind of keep the ball rolling for you. That would be great. I'd appreciate it very much. Hey, no problem. 
You know, I wish I wish a lot of this kind of stuff was around when I was playing as well. But I I love being able to do it for other bands that uh, that I like and I believe in. And uh, definitely, you guys are one of those bands. So uh, you know, I want to be be able to to help you get the word out. See how much we can get going for Seventh Colin, and uh, you know, maybe able to pull you over on the East Coast as well. That'd be very cool. We could uh, we could hang out, and I can hear a lot of this stuff live as well because I'm sure that it has to sound just devastating live. Oh yeah, it's better than the record. <laughs> Yes, very much. We awesome. appreciate very much. Hey, not a problem, Steve. Not a problem at all. So I know I've taken uh, ass load of your time tonight, but uh, definitely I uh, appreciate you coming on and, and talking to Focus on Metal, getting the word out. So you know, what do you think is, uh, you know, if you had to pick a, a track to kind of roll out the interview with off a of, off of battle call, what, what do you think you'd pick for that track? Oh, perhaps, perhaps Fate's Hammer. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> good Very little good. good little kitty to start off with the bass and the drums and get the song going nice nice all right so then <laughs> that's what i think we'll do we're going to roll out of this one off a of battle call with uh with track three fate's hammer once again steve thanks for taking the time tonight to talk to us and uh like i said 100 percent when you're ready to put the next one out please get a hold of me you come through ben to get a hold of me either way you want to do it but uh I want to have you back on. We get the word out. We keep supporting uh, Seventh Call. Very good. We'll do it. Awesome, man. All right. We'll have a good rest of the night, and hopefully I'll be talking to you real soon. Very good. Thank you much. All right, Steve. You too. Later. Bye-bye. As requested by Steve, this one is Fate's Hammer.
right, so that is a wrap for my talk with Steve Hondo from 7th Calling. And again, if you want to pick up either Battle Call or their first one, Monuments, you can go to 7thcallingofficial.bigcartel.com. You can get your music up there, you get your patches up there, you get t-shirts up there. As Steve said, there's all merch up there. More stuff on the way. And I should mention that, of course, you can also follow them on Facebook as well as on Reverb Nation. And definitely looking forward to the next album coming out. Have Steve come back on the show and talk about that one as well. So that will do it for this episode of Focus on Metal. As usual, you can keep up with us at focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com, on Facebook, on Twitter. Even got a YouTube channel we've been kicking around for a while as well. Yeah, we got that too. But uh, that will be it for episode 299. Up next is episode 300, and uh, it is right now looking pretty good and looking for where we're on mixing right now. What I know is coming up in the next few days, looking really good for uh, Richie's idea to mostly come together for episode 300. Didn't get everything we wanted out of it but uh did get uh, at least one of the big ones that surprised me so uh it is looking good for episode 300 and uh the only clues i could give you is uh that if you follow us on twitter you may know of an interview we did recently and uh also i'll just give you a date march 3rd 1986 and uh that's it that's all i'm telling you till next week when we drop episode 300 on you And, of course, if it doesn't all come together, I'm just going to look like an idiot, uh, more so than usual. But, again, that's it. $2.99 done. Put a fork in it. This puppy is complete. So, for Richie, myself, and everybody here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.